listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Father, I thank you for everyone in this place. God, I thank you that, God, you don't make no mistakes. And God, everyone that is here tonight is here because of divine appointment. That means because you have them here. And God, we pray, God, that you would touch hearts and lives in this place tonight. God, that you would speak to us through your word tonight. And that, God, we would see change take place in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Tonight I want to talk about Refocus 2012 again, but we're going to try and round things up a little bit tonight. And as we near the end of our 21-day fast, it's been a journey, and it's been a great journey, I'm sure, for every one of you. But I want to remind you of the rewards already that you have received. A lot of us haven't perhaps taken count of what God really has done in our life. And one disappointment I see is this, there's only like five or six praise reports on a wall and last week there was probably eight or ten people that gave praise reports and not one of them is up on the wall come on we need to give glory and honor to God for everything that he's doing we're quick to give the needs but we need to also give the praise reports for what God is doing so tonight I want to remind you of yes maybe the sacrifice but as a result the rewards that have come where has our focus been during this fast has it been the sacrifice If it is, it's going to be hard to fast, and it is hard to fast. But I pray that your focus has been on the rewards. I want to remind you tonight that your life is never going to be the same again. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing that our lives... Because I believe every one of us in here, if we were honest with ourselves, would be able to sit down and say, you know, I needed to refocus my life. It wasn't like I wasn't saved. It wasn't like I was crazy and going this way and that way. But you know what? I just needed this time just to sit back and just kind of fine-tune my life. Just let God do things in my life again that he perhaps hasn't done for a while. And it's been good for me to refocus. It's been good for us, I believe, to get our true vision back. The vision that God has for our lives. And I'm really excited with great anticipation for this Sunday morning for our healing service. Can I hear an amen in the house? I believe that we're going to see God move this Sunday in such awesome ways. God's going to move physically on Sunday. You know what that means when I say he's going to move physically? It means that he's going to touch people and give them a physical healing in their body. We're going to see people's emotions healed. How many knows there's a lot of people who need a healing in their emotions? That they're just broken hearted. They're going through things. I believe there's going to be healings financially. Come on, that's as much of a miracle as a physical. Well, it is. It's a miracle. I believe we're going to see healings in relationships, in marriages, in families. That's the physical aspect. But I believe also God's going to do healing spiritually in this house. Come on, there's no greater miracle than seeing a soul saved. Come on, you can die with cancer and know the Lord and you're going to be all right. 
But come on, you can be as well as anyone and not have Jesus. And come on, if you die, you're going to be in problems. It's no greater miracle than the salvation of a soul. So we're believing on Sunday for God to do both physically and spiritually. God doesn't just heal us one dimensionally. He's in it for the whole package. He wants us to be whole. How many times do we read in the Word of God that Jesus says to people, do you want to be made whole? Come on, that involved the spiritual as well as the physical. God is able. So here's what we're saying. Whatever you need on Sunday, come expecting. And I'm going to tell you in a few seconds how you need to come on Sunday. But whether it's financial miracles, whether it's emotions, whatever it is, I believe the word of the Lord to you is you're going to be made whole. You're going to be made complete. Nothing lacking. Why? Because he's the package deal. Come on, say that with me. He, Jesus, Jesus, he's the package deal. He's everything I could ever need. And here's how I want you to come Sunday. Are you ready? I want you to come expecting. I want you to come with an expecting spirit on Sunday. I don't want you to come doubting and say, well, what if God doesn't? Just come expecting God for what you need, but not only for what you need, come expecting for what other people need. Come on, how many has got a need in here? Look how many around right now. Come expecting for God to meet their need. Come expecting for God to give them exactly how they need. So we want to come expecting God to do a miracle. Is that cool? Here's the second way I want us to come excited. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into that. Too many people come into church sad, miserable, had a fight on the way to church. Come on, if you're going to fight with your spouse or your kids on the way to church, Sunday, bring a separate car. Come in excited for once on Sunday morning. Come in excited. You know, there's something contagious about excitement. Excitement brings such an electric atmosphere. You know why? When Benny Hinn comes in town, he's got a fantastic, incredible, God-given anointing upon him to see people healed. But any person like that who comes in town, you know why such great things happen in their services? Because people come exciting and expected. They come expecting and excited. There's a rush. They're lining up two and three hours before the service. They're excited about what's going to happen. Our church would be completely different if we came to church expecting and exciting every service. Excited that God is going to do. Smiling, high-fiving people as we come through the door and saying, come on, I want us to see us come in pumped up on Sunday, looking at people and say, today's your day. I'm excited. I've been praying for you. I'm expecting God to move. Come on. Who's going to come that way? That creates an atmosphere, doesn't it? Creates an atmosphere where God will move. God's not a God of the disappointment. Come on, he's a God of the appointment. And I believe this Sunday is going to be the appointed time and the appointed place and we're the appointed people and God's going to move. Thank you, Doug and Patricia and Trey. Three of us. Three agree. It's good enough. I'll take it. Here's the third way I want you to come in and that is this. Ready. Come in ready. What do I mean ready? Come in prayed up. Come in ready. Come in filled up. I cannot encourage you enough, and I think you should do it all the time. But you know what? Turn off that secular junk in your car and put on some decent stuff that's going to feed your spirit. Come on, put down the People magazine and pick up the Bible before you come to church and start reading. Start filling yourself with the Word of God. Come ready. Come prayed up. Come filled up. I remember a story about a missionary. He was in one of these foreign countries, and he went to pray for someone, and he laid hands upon him, and the the man grabbed his hands and threw them often and said, how dare you lay hands on me with empty hands? Wow. 
How dare you lay empty hands on me? Come ready Sunday morning. Come ready to minister during the praise and worship as we build the atmosphere in the house and we welcome God's Holy Spirit. Come ready to give. Come ready. A lot of us always are ready to receive. Why not come ready to give something on Sunday? And we're not talking about our tithes and offerings because that's a given. We're talking about above and beyond. Come ready to give some praise like you've never given before. Come to worship God. Come just to give to God. Can you tell I'm excited about this Sunday? And I'm just really excited about God. And here's the fourth way I want you to come Sunday. And that is this. That you refuse to be denied. Refuse to leave here the same way in which you came. Come on. We used to sing a song years ago. It says, you won't leave here as you came in Jesus' name. Bound, oppressed, tormented, sickle, lame. Why? Because the Holy Ghost of Acts. Still the same. You're not going to leave here. Refuse to be denied. Come and grab a hold of God like Jacob did. Was it Jacob? And God changed his name to Israel, peace of God. He said, I'm not going to leave you till you bless me. What an incredible thought if we came with expectancy, excitement, ready to give and coming to say we're not going to be denied. How many believes when we come like that, God's going to show up and God's going to show out? Come on, how many knows when God shows up, God shows out and miracles take place in this house? Come on, I'm ready to run right now. I'm ready to get my praise on in the house. I believe Sunday is people's day, your day for breakthroughs and miracles. Come on, we've been praying and we're seeking God and why not Sunday be the day? For God to come. Listen to this. How you come Sunday is going to to determine how you leave Sunday. How you come Sunday is going to determine how you leave. And it even goes beyond you. It's going to determine how others are going to leave too. We're sending you out an email tomorrow and it's going to say words like this on there. I want you to invite people. I want you to bring people. I want you to kidnap people. I want you to bribe people. I want you to beg people. I want you to drag them here, drug them here, whatever you've got to do to get them in the house. Come on, whatever it takes to get people in this house. Come on, get them into the atmosphere where God can change their life. And we've said this so many times, don't just invite people, be a bringer. Because there is something about it. When you invite someone and they say, yes, they're coming to church, the enemy goes overtime to stop them from coming. Their car will break down, something will happen. There's something that changes when they know that you're going to be there at 9 o'clock, honking your horn, waiting outside their house, waiting for them. Can I give you a little hint? If they try to call you at 8.30 Sunday morning, don't answer the phone. Still show up and be outside there honking the horn and text them when you're on the way and say, I'm on my way. We're going to go to the house of God. You're going to see your miracle today. Come on, pick someone up and bring them to church. There's going to be a mighty move of God this Sunday. And I don't want you to miss out. Quickly turn with me to John chapter 5, if you could. John chapter 5, I want to read nine verses. And it's John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. And it says this, after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida, having, set, uh, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. 
For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred the waters. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the waters was made well of whatever disease he or she had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. Now that's a long time because I'm 39 and that's a long time to be sitting waiting for a miracle. He's been sitting there 38 years and when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well or made whole? That's what we were talking about earlier. And the sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps in down before me. And Jesus says to him, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He was made whole. He took up his bed. He walked, and that day was the Sabbath day. There's two things I want you to hear from that story tonight, and that was this 38 years he was sick. And all he needed was this, for someone to help him into the water. 38 years he had carried that infliction, and the only thing he needed was for someone to help him into the water. Why are you talking about Sunday? Because we need to help some people into the water. Come on, we need to help some people into the water. I think church life has become so selfish. You saw it there. I mean, they could have at least had a number system or something. and They could have gone in order and said, okay, you've been here for 38 years. You deserve to go in the water. But what was happening? It was everyone about their own self. They got so selfish. It was just about them. As soon as the water, bam, they jumped in. And you know, probably the healthiest ones made it to the water first. So the people who weren't really sick were the ones that were getting the benefit and the ones that were desperately ill couldn't reap the rewards. We've got to watch that church doesn't become all about us and what I can get, that we forget those in need. We forget that there's others in need. I'm going to tell you this, as long as I'm the pastor here and I pray that even after And someone else takes over, and I pray it's Luke. But whoever it is that takes over this church, we're going to teach the next generation the culture of this house. But as long as I'm the pastor in here, it's never going to be just about us that we ever forget the one. Come on, this church is always going to be about going after the one. Come on, each one reaches one. Each one reaches one. I shared this story before, an incredible story. One day a man was out walking on the beach and the waves had brought in a whole bunch of starfish. As far as you could see, the beach was lined with starfish and they were struggling to survive on the beach. And this man, one at a time, began to pick the starfish up and began to throw them in the ocean. Well, some people came by and looked at him and laughed and said, what are you doing? And he said, well, it's obviously pretty obvious what I'm doing. They said, well, you're just wasting your time. There's no way that you can save Every one of these. And that man looked at me and says, I may not be able to save them all. As he threw one into the ocean, he said, but that's another one I saved. And he picked up another one and he said, that's another one I've saved. Come on, we cannot save the whole world, but one at a time we can do our part. We can do our part. I cannot stress enough, do your part to get people here on Sunday. Who's your one? Come on, who is it? If I was to ask every one of you, who's that one that is your target person that you've been trying to get saved, that you've been trying to get in the house of God? Come on, who is that one? Why not do everything you can, even if it means buying them lunch on Sunday? 
What a great reward. I mean, that is no sacrifice to get that one in church. I can promise you this. You get them here Sunday, they're going to hear the gospel. And there's going to be the opportunity for God to save them and touch them in their lives. Come on, who is that one? Who's the one you're trying to get in the house? Come on, bring them on Sunday morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to bring that one. Come on, if everyone in here tonight brought the one, you know, we wouldn't have enough room in here to never mind the people who are going to be here on Sunday. That's how quick church growth is. If everyone brings one, we double in size straight away. Phenomenal growth can happen so quick. And in a moment, what we're going to do is I'm, I'm going to close out the service. I, I've got a few things that I want to say, but we're going to close out the service with maybe a time of five, ten minutes where what I want us to do is I want us to begin to pray for Sunday. We had a great prayer night on Sunday night, and I encourage you, any time we have prayer meetings, do your best to come. Be here. It's just for an hour. I mean, just an hour, just to come and pray. We lay hands on every chair, and we pray for people. We laid hands on all the prayer requests. We prayed for things. We had incredible worship. It was just a wonderful time to be in the presence of God. But we're going to pray in a few moments for Sunday, and we're just going to believe that God's going to move in this place. But before we do, I want to do something, and that is this. I want to revisit our Refocus journey. Can I revisit our Refocus 2012 and give you Refocus 2012 at a glance? The first night, we started talking about questions and answers. Remember that night? A lot of people wrote in their questions, and we tried to the best of our ability to give all the answers. And the reason why we tried to do that was we didn't want anyone to say out of ignorance, I don't want to fast because I don't know what to do, how to do it, or what it's about. We wrote a book at the back to try and help. We posted it all online that you can get it. And I pray that every day you've been going through that journal and every day you've been focused in a particular area of church life or ministry that we've been praying for and believing for God to move. The next Sunday we talked about fasting 2012 style. How we don't fast to get God's approval, we don't fast to get his favor, and we don't fast to get his forgiveness. In the Old Testament, if problems happened, they fasted out of utter desperation. They fasted that God's approval would be upon them, that he would deliver them and set them free. How many knows that you cannot earn what has already been given freely? We don't earn the favor of God through fasting. We don't earn the forgiveness of God. At the cross, he gave that to us. When we said yes to Jesus Christ, we accepted that. But the problem is we need to just learn how to walk in that. We need to learn to live in it. So Old Testament is trying to get God to move in a certain way, trying to convince God, trying to discover God. But now we look at the new way, and that is this. We fast to disconnect ourselves from the world. Then we add prayer to our fast, which in turn connects us to God. So by fasting, we disconnect. By prayer, we reconnect, really, or connect to God. Through fasting, it brings us to a new relationship with him. We saw in that John's disciples had a dispute with Jesus. I think it was Matthew 9, verse 16 and 17. And Jesus says this, you don't put a new piece of cloth on an old cloth. And he goes on to say, neither do you put new wine in an old wineskin. 
Jesus figuratively was talking and explaining to every one of us that as children of God, we need to be a new wineskin. It means we need to be flexible. It means we need to be pliable. It means that we need to be able to expand. And why is that? Because we see from God's word that he wants to dwell inside of us. God is a filler. God wants to fill every empty space of our life and fill us and fill us and fill us and fill us. He wants to fill us to overflow. And so if we're not flexible and pliable, we're going to burst. And then what's inside of us is going to flow out from us and be waste on the ground. But God wants us to be flexible and pliable. The Bible tells us that daily he loadeth us. With his benefits. I love that. He loads us. I mean, he loads us. If you think about someone being laden or loaded up, come on, it's not just a little thing that they could put in their pocket. You can't put something that's loaded in your pocket. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, you, it affects the way you walk when you're carrying a load. Come on, it affects what you do in your life. The Bible says daily he wants to pour it on. Come on, daily he wants to hook a brother up and pour into our lives. He wants to give us blessings, but in order to receive those blessings, we've got to be flexible. We've got to be pliable. We've got to be a new wineskin, able to contain that, or we're going to burst. So fasting keeps us fresh, pliable, flexible, usable. Fasting is the reset button of our soul. It kind of ungunks us. We talked about it being the spring cleaning that cleans us up so God can use us. Then we looked at the three A's. How many remembers the three A's that we talked about? We talked about agreement. We talked about alignment. And then we talked about assignment. We talked about the three A's. And we also talked about, hopefully, the fact that every one of us tonight knows that we have a purpose. That God created us with a purpose. That there is an assignment for our lives. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for what? You're created to do good. You're created to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that what? That now you and I should walk in them. Your life was created with a purpose to do good, to live for God, that we should walk in those things. But you know why most people aren't walking in the purpose of God? Because they're out of position. They are out of position. They're not in the right place. Tonight, if you had a pitcher of Coke and I wanted to drink some of that, I've got to position my cup under the flow. If not, guess what? My cup's going to be empty. There's a lot of people wondering why their cup's empty and they're miles away from the source where the spout, where the glory comes out. Come on now. We're not positioned right. It doesn't mean that God's not able to give to us because we know God's a giver. God's a filler. He wants to load us. But we've got to be in that place where we can be under that and we can be in that, that we can receive all of God. So many of us want the rewards without the effort. We talked about the little red hen. Who's going to come and help me bake the food? No one wanted to make the meal, but when it was time to eat the meal, everyone wanted to sit and eat. Sounds like church life, doesn't it? We want the purpose of God to be revealed in our lives, but we don't want to get ourselves into the position where the purpose can be unfolded in our life. And that's why we talked about we've got to be in agreement. Agreement is basically surrendering your will and saying, God, it's not about me, but it's all about you. It's all about your design for my life. 
You can't walk with someone if you're going in opposite directions. In fact, Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says, how can two walk unless they agree? You can't walk with someone if you're going in opposite directions. So agreement is saying, God, it's not what I want, it's what you want. I want to go where you go. I want to be used by you. And it's a place of greatest strength. But you know what we've told ourselves? We've told ourselves that to surrender our will to God and to give our lives to him, we've convinced ourselves and been told this by the world that that's just weak people who do that. I've heard people say that so many times. Oh, Christianity is just for weak people. Because they're just so weak and they need God. It's not a place of weakness. It's a place of greatest strength. When we surrender our lives to God. And then with that alignment or that agreement comes the alignment where God begins to work in our lives. When we surrender our lives to him, God says, now I can begin to work in your life. God begins to put things in order. God begins to put things in place. For what reason? So his will can be enfolded throughout our lives. Through alignment, we disconnect from the world. And we connect to God. We found out that we're too connected to the world. And that's why Jesus said you're a faithless generation and you're a perverse generation. What Jesus was saying was you're too connected to the world and you're too disconnected from me. Alignment puts our lives back in proper place. It prepares us to be used for God. It's the place where things begin to fall into place. When we allow our life to be aligned, when we live in agreement and alignment comes, come on, we find the job that we need. Our finances come in line. Peace, our homes, everything begins to fall into place. Then we're ready for our assignment where God desires to use us in ways that we thought were impossible. But this is where we find the greatest fulfillment in our lives, satisfaction, doing what he made us to do. When we discover that God is the only one, and this is what we need to discover, that God is the only one who can truly inform you of what your purpose is. A lot of people have even said to me, Pastor P, what's the purpose God has for my life? And you know what I have to tell them? Ask God. I can help you and maybe see some talents and gifts and abilities that you have and say, well, maybe you should try working in this area or that area. But if you really want to know what God has for your life, ask him and he'll show you. But whatever that divine assignment may be. Remember this, we are all called to be witnesses for God. You know what our assignment is? To be a witness to God. The purpose for each one of our lives, if we would discover that, is to be a witness, to be a light in darkness. Because witnessing is not what we do, but witnessing is who we are. God sent you and I to be a witness first, then. So remember that. When you're looking for your assignment, remember um, to be a witness first, then. I may find that divine place. So agreement, alignment, assignment. Then we talked about last Wednesday night, I believe it was, about having fresh desire for God. To want to live a life of obedience and discipline for God. It's not always easy, is it? But when our desire for Him is greater than the desire for other things, we will walk in obedience with God and have a disciplined life. And things will begin to change. So easy, though, isn't it, in our lives to get so distracted and drawn away from our first love, which is Jesus. It's so easy just to find ourselves just going through the motions and lifting our hands and singing a song and we don't even know the words that we're singing. So easy for us just to go through the motions of Christianity, that we find ourselves living out of obligation and not living out of desire. You can only live out of obligation for so long before you're going to give out. 
You've got to have that desire. You've got to have that. Jesus didn't die on a cross for you to endure a life of salvation. He died on a cross for you to enjoy a life of salvation. Now, there's going to be night seasons. Ask David. There's going to be times where you feel like the heavens are at brass and everything is not angels talking and everything. There's going to be moments and there's going to be times. But that's not the place where we're going to live. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. If we find our lives going through burdensome and we find it hard to, to bear and we find our lives heavy, what did we tell ourselves to do? We need to have a heart check. We need to get back in relationship with him where we desire him once again above all others. Jesus said these words in 1 John. I'm trying to remember where it is. 1 John 2, I think it is. He says, if you love the world and the things of the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. It doesn't mean that we can't have love for the things of the world, but what he was saying is if we put those things before him, then the love of the Father is not going to be in us. We talked about having desire to live a life that was pleasing to God. And then Sunday, we kind of still followed on that same theme of desire when we talked about not backing up. We talked about my uncle's little three-wheeler car. Remember the picture? If you weren't here Sunday, then sorry. You missed it. But everything was great until you had to back up. Then you had a problem. Because that little car did not have a reverse gear. So what he had to do is he had to get out and push his car backwards if he ever got to a place where he couldn't go forward. Everything in life is great until you have to start backing up. Then you're going to have problems in your life. Your spiritual life should have no reverse gear. It should just be forward. Come on, the struggles, the addictions, the strongholds, the sins, they need to remain a thing of our past as we move forward in God. Temptation and sin comes when we allow ourselves to be drawn away from him. We read that on Sunday from James. Temptation is the pathway to sin. When we're tempted, we're not sinning. But when we follow that temptation, we get to that place of sin. Why? Because temptation begins before the act of sin. And we need to understand that. That's why we need to be in relationship with God, not allow ourselves to be drawn away, but connected to Him. And then we also talked about setting boundaries for our lives. Non-negotiable roadblocks that are up. Hey, I'm not going to negotiate with this. This is how it's going to be, and that's how it's going to be. We don't change our thoughts when the moments arise. We think ahead and we prepare ahead. So when those times come, we're already prepared. If we have to say no to something, we're probably two steps too far from where we need to be already. Down the roadway of temptation. We need to be smart. We need to be alert. The Bible says watch and pray. Not just pray. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because our adversary, the devil, is seeking whom he can devour. And he wants to rip you limb for limb. And he doesn't only want to mess with you, he wants to destroy your family too. So plan ahead. Plan ahead. In relationships, set boundaries. We're not going to be together at night time, at a certain time. We're not going to sleep over. We're not going to do these things. Why? Because set boundaries, because everyone has their moments of weakness. So over these past few weeks, we've covered, I believe, a number of very important truths to refocus our lives. That will result in our life being totally transformed. But I think the underlining truth of the whole refocus 2012 has been this. That we're to disconnect ourselves from the world. And get to a place where we're connected to God. 
Tonight, I'm just not revisiting these things because I don't have anything else to say. There's a lot of things I could still say. But I think it's so important that we fully grasp what we've already covered. Repetition, they tell us, is the best form of learning. Going back over it again and again and again and again. So why? So it sinks in and it becomes a part of us. I want us for a couple of minutes, as I said, to find a place to pray. Ask Fred to turn on some music in a few moments. But what I want you to do is I want you to revisit perhaps some of the areas that we've talked about again tonight. Ask yourself, God, where is my desire? Do I desire you more than anything else? Has fasting become just a religious obligation for me? I need to realize that I have the favor and blessing of God upon my life, but now I need to just walk in it. Whatever it may be, maybe it's the agreement. Maybe you've never really surrendered your will to God and you're wondering why you're not in the assignment because you haven't gone through the agreement and the alignment. Whatever it may be tonight, Whatever relates to the fact that you're not where you need to be, that you're not in the right place. Come on, if God right now is in heaven right now and he's pouring a jug of water out, are you catching everything that he's pouring out? Or are you satisfied by saying, hey, I've got a mouthful? Why be satisfied with a mouthful where he says, I want you to fill you to overflowing? For what reason? Not for waste, but that you can have so much that you've got enough to share and you can give to other people. Maybe tonight you've been challenged with the thought all that man needed was someone to put him in the water. I'm going to be that someone for someone on Sunday. I can't change everyone, but that's one more I can change. That's another life I can save. That's another life. Each one can reach one. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.